All right. Hello, ACF Church. Welcome. You, you guys look so amazing. You must have gotten an extra night or an extra hour of sleep last night, right? You guys look great. Thank you for being here. Welcome home. Welcome to those of you watching online. We are glad that you are worshiping with us today. My name is Angela. I serve on the teaching team here. And I'm just curious because today we're going to go on a road trip. So what are some things that you need or you like to have on a road trip? Candy, snacks, yes. Number one answer. If you ever get that question on Family Feud, number one answer, snacks. Anything else? What else? Caffeine. What else? Toilet paper. You guys must have driven the Alcan before. Nice. Coffee. What else? Music. Yes, music. All right. Nintendo. You can use your Nintendo in the car. You have nice parents. Wow. I'm like, look out the window. Look out the window. A Bible. Oh, amen. That's always the right answer. You guys are awesome. You guys are good road trippers. I want to go on a road trip with you. How many of you have ever driven either from the lower 48 to Alaska or from Alaska down to the lower 48? Quite a few. All right. How many of you recognize this amazing book right here? Amazing. The Milepost. I didn't even plan it, but it says it's the Bible of North Country Travel. Of course it is. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, this is the Milepost. And this has a by tenth of a mile detailed descriptions of every single road in the North Country. But you have to know how to read it, don't you? You have to know how to use it so that you can see it as something you can trust, as something you can rely on. You have to know what road you are on. And not only that, you have to know in which direction you're traveling on that road, whether you're going north or south or east or west, in order to be able to see this as something that you can trust. So we've been in a series called Paradigm Shift, and we've been taking a look at these ideas or these expectations that we have when it comes to reading the Bible. And I would really encourage you that if you have not heard these past messages, to go ahead, download our free ACF Church app. You can go to our website, dig in and listen to these past messages because they are going to help you see this as the amazing library, the amazing words of God that we have today. And so what I want to do first is I wanna talk a little bit about why can we trust this book? Why can we see this library as something that is reliable, as God's words breathed out to us? Now, it's important to recognize that our Bible that we have today, that we recognize, is actually two canons, and a canon is simply a standard. And we have what we call the Old Testament canon, as well as the New Testament canon. And so we're going to take a look at each of those individually first before we see the whole thing together. So this Old Testament canon, it is a collection of scrolls 
that were written over a period of about a thousand years from 1400 to about 400 BC. And we recognize this canon as scripture because it's what Jesus and his disciples recognized as scripture. These 39 books that we see that we recognize in our Old Testament are the Hebrew Bible that Jesus would have had. Now, the books are in a little bit different of an order, but they are the same 39 books, the same writings. Jesus and his disciples referred to the Old Testament, quoted from it nearly 270 times. They refer to it over a thousand times. And so again, why do we recognize this? Because Jesus recognized this. It's a collection of scrolls that when you read the books from Genesis through Kings, they tell one overall narrative. Here is God. God is holy. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is righteous. And he makes man. And man messes up. Man can't do things for himself. But God has already made a way to restore and redeem and repair that relationship. And so over and over, that's the narrative that we read from Genesis through Kings. And then when you look into the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, when you go through the writings like Psalms and Proverbs, those writings then reflect upon that one overall narrative. Here is God, he is holy, and here is man who is broken, but God has already made a way to repair and restore the relationship. One unified story that points to Jesus. And I love this quote by St. Augustine. He writes, the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And honestly, there is not a lot of issue when it comes to looking at this Old Testament canon where we find a little more discussion and debate is in the New Testament canon. And so I just want to start really by saying I'm not an expert in this. I have studied this for, you know, a couple months now, but there are people who are way smarter than I am that have spent years and years of their life's work digging into this canon of Scripture taking a look at the Bible and why can we trust it. And so this isn't an exhaustive list, but here are some authors, historians, scholars, theologians. I just want to today that, first of all, if you're a believer in Jesus, I just want to help give you a reason why you can see this as a trustworthy, reliable, beautiful, amazing source of God's love and pointing to Jesus. And if you're not a believer in Jesus today, I encourage you, lean in. Don't tune out, but write down the questions that you have. Questions are good, that's how we learn. I would encourage you to not go to Reddit because Reddit may or may not be the most reliable source of information. But again, maybe look at one of these books and dig in and ask these questions. I just want us to all be on this road trip together today. Sound good? All right. 
Let's go road trip. So here we go, New Testament canon. These are eyewitness accounts. These are letters that are being written between 40 and 90 A.D. And some of you have a calculator, and you're doing some math right now, and you're thinking, well, hold on a second, because you just said that this Old Testament canon, those writings finished around 400 or so B.C., and now these New Testament letters, they didn't start being written until 40 A.D. What about this 400 years in the middle? Did nothing happen? Did history just stop? No, history is still going on. There are still writings. There are still letters. There are still records that are being written in this intertestament period. But then the next question would be, well, why don't we have those in our Bible? And the easy answer is the fact that depending upon what church community you're a part of, that would determine what particular canon of Scripture you have. But we, as Protestant Christians, we recognize the 27 books that we hold in our New Testament today because we know who the author was, who the writer was, the fact that they were either a disciple or an eyewitness to the life and teaching of Jesus. Again, these letters that are being written are being written between 40 and 90. That is less than 100 years. Within decades of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, they were alive and they saw Jesus. And so we recognize these books because we know who the author was. And some of these other writings that we don't recognize, it's because they had questionable um, authorship. Maybe the origin was uncertain. And also think about this interlocking nature that we have with our Old Testament and our New Testament. The fact that the New Testament refers to the Old Testament more than a thousand times. Telling this one unified story that points to Jesus And so the writings that we don't recognize, they don't tell that one unified story. We recognize these books because of the authority that Jesus gave to the writers, to the authors. The fact that Jesus told his disciples, you will be my witnesses. You will go out to the ends of the earth. I have given you authority in my name and you are going to do greater things than I have done. I love the authority that Jesus has given these writers. And not only do the writers recognize the authority they've been given by Jesus, but believe it or not, even the writers themselves, being contemporaries of one another, they recognize and affirm each other's authority. In 2 Peter, Peter is writing a letter and he talks about Paul. And he says, you guys know Paul, right? And you know that he's been given wisdom from the Lord? I love that he includes this. He says, and even though sometimes what Paul writes, it's hard to understand. But he says, but you should treat it as you do the other scriptures, as the other writings of God. And then you have Paul. Paul writes a letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. And he says, this is what the scriptures say. And he has a quote from Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. But he also has a quote from Luke the Gospel of Luke, a contemporary. And so you have Peter affirming Paul, you have Paul affirming Luke, 
And in true Paul fashion, you have Paul affirming himself. He writes a letter to the Colossian church and he says, when you're done reading this letter, it has value for you. But when you're done, pass it along to this other community because I wrote them a letter and they're going to pass that letter to you as well. And so the fact that Jesus has given these writers authority, the fact that the writers are affirming the authority among themselves, that these letters are being passed, because what's important to also understand is that from 40 AD up until even the 300s, Christianity is not allowed to flourish publicly. If you were to go out and say, I believe in Jesus, you were going to be killed. And so these bodies of believers were having to meet secretly together in homes. And depending upon where they met, that would determine what letters and what gospel writings they would have had. And so these letters are being spoken, they're being taught, they're being copied, and they're being passed around. Even though I know that when I sometimes read the New Testament, I tend to pass over some of the names that are written because I don't know them or they're hard to pronounce. They don't really make too much sense to me. But remember, at this time, within decades of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, these people are alive. And so as these letters are being copied and shared and people are hearing these names, they're like, that person was there? I, can, I know them. I can go talk to them. I can see. Did Jesus really say this? Did he really do this? Because whether you believe that Jesus is God or not, Jesus was a real man. Historians confirm that. He was a person who lived on this earth at a certain time, in a certain place, and the thing is, he didn't just stay in one place. Jesus moved around. He walked around in public He taught in public. He got up on mountains and he shared stories and he fed thousands of people at a time. And so as these letters are being talked about and uh, discussed and, you know, listened to, they're hearing these names and they're like, I know these people. I can go talk to them. And so again, within years, we see these 27 books of the New Testament being universally recognized as uniquely authoritative. Even scholars and historians agree that our New Testament is one of the best attested documents in history. Why? Because it's written so soon after the actual events that it records. The people were still alive and people could go and talk to them. And so why do we recognize these books? I hope that you hear that distinction. That as a Christian, I don't look at these 27 books and say, um, oh, I believe those are the 27 books because of some list that was found, that these will be the books of your Bible. No, we recognize these books because of the authority that Jesus gave to the authors, the authority that these books have inherently among themselves, the fact that they are God's words breathed out to us. Turn with me or look at 2 Timothy 3. We're pretty sure this is one of the last letters that Paul has written, 
at the end of his life, and he's writing to encourage Timothy, who is someone that he's been mentoring. And starting in verse 14, Paul writes this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Why do we care about this book? Because these words, these writings are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. The Bible is all about God. It's not about us. But these words can help us live in such a way that makes a difference right here and now. And I love, it's Paul telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, you know what you've learned. You know these sacred writings. Your mom told them to you. Your grandmother told them to you. You know what you believe. Now continue in that. Move forward. Take action. Take a step. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, approved for every good work. You have what you need. All of scripture. Like we learned last week, the Bible isn't this good luck charm that we can just take what we like or what we understand and then just kind of cast aside things we don't like or we don't understand. But all of Scripture is breathed out by God. From the very first writings on the scrolls, all of Scripture, to the words being recited and passed down from generation to generation, all of Scripture to the copying, to the organizing, to the translating of the texts, all of Scripture breathed out by God. And I love that word in the Greek, theonoustos. It's a compound word, theos, meaning God, and noustos, coming from pneuma, meaning breath. All of Scripture, God breathed, breathed out by God. It's the only time that that word is found in the Greek. The only time it's found, and what is it referring to? All of Scripture, all of God's words. Think about, from the very beginning, what did God's words do? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, God used words, let there be light, and there was light. God said, and there was creation. But listen to this, Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Don't miss that. You and I are the only created living things to have been given life with the very breath of God, not just words alone. 
From the very beginning, God's plan is to be in fellowship with man. In the book of Hebrews, chapters 3 and 4, the author quotes from Psalm 95. And in Hebrews chapter 3, the author writes, The Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And in chapter 4, the author writes, David says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Which is it? Did the Holy Spirit say? Did David say? And the answer is yes. Yes. God's word, human and divine, from the very beginning, God wanting to be in relationship with man. But man is broken. Man is stubborn. Man has a quirky personality. But God is not man, and he does not lie. God's word is reliable. God's word is truth, and he's not trying to deceive us. But some would argue, but he uses man, and man's broken, and man's stubborn, and man has a quirky personality. How awesome, because I'm broken, and I'm stubborn, and I definitely have a quirky personality. And guess what? So do you. And still, God wants to be in relationship and fellowship with you. Just because I don't like something in this book Just because I don't understand something in this book, it doesn't mean that God's truth is not there. When I can keep the perspective of what do God's words intend to say, not what do I want them to say, what do I think that they should say, what do I really, really need them to say, but what do God's words intend to say? Because the Bible authors Never teach anything that is false. The Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. In John chapter 10, I'd encourage you, um, dig into John chapter 10 this week. Amazing, amazing truths. In John chapter 10, we see Jesus having a conversation with the religious leaders. And in verse 30, he has just said, I and the Father are one. You can bet those religious leaders weren't too happy with Jesus right about then. He's basically telling them, listen, I am one with God. And Jesus uses Psalm 82, and he says, listen, your scriptures say that the word of God came to man, and scripture cannot be broken. Jesus is telling them, God's word is true. God's word can be trusted. God's word is saying that the word of God came to man. And here's Jesus, and he's trying to tell them, I am the one. I've been consecrated by the Father. I've been set apart by God, and here I am. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the word made flesh to dwell among us. So a few years ago, my husband and I had the incredible, amazing road trip of a lifetime. We got to travel around Iceland. And you can bet we had a map, 
I think we had like five or six maps. We knew what we wanted to see. We knew what day we were arriving. We knew what day we were leaving. We had a plan. We had everything laid out. And I am so thankful that we learned very early that some of our most favorite memories came when we were able to just stay in a place that we really enjoyed, whether it was part of the plan or not. God's word can be trusted. God's word is true and it is reliable. And it's good to know this. It's good to be able to understand this. But don't forget to let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Have him be the one to guide you into his truth. And if you need to linger in a chapter or a verse or even just a word so that God can show you how much he wants to be in relationship with you, then do that. Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. God's words are true. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is fully God and fully man. God's word to us is fully human and fully divine. And they are words that give life and make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we want you to see that today. We don't ever want you to leave here without thinking about what's this next step that I can take. And so I encourage you, grab the action card that you found on your seat. There's a perforated part at the bottom. Please write your name, either an email or a phone number. Tear that off. We don't want to bug you. We want to encourage you. We want to be able to just celebrate with you. And maybe today your next step is beginning that relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to be in relationship with you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, nope, I still have questions. I still don't understand things. I'm not sure why I can trust this book. And you know what? Again, that's how you learn is by asking questions. And so find a community, find people that you trust and lean into them and talk about these things, wrestle through these things, know that the Holy Spirit will lead you into his truth. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I, I know his truth. And we want to celebrate that with you. Find somebody that you can share that with. Lean into each other, tell each other your story and the truth that God's teaching you. Or finally today, maybe you have been a part of this journey, this paradigm shift journey that we've been on, and you've started a regular rhythm of reading your Bible. We just want to encourage you in that. Keep it up. You're doing great. So if you would, tear that off. You can drop it in one of the black boxes by the doors before you leave today. If you would, bow your heads, close with me.
God, we do just thank you so much that you are here in this place and that your words are power, that your words are living, that your words are active. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is the perfect teacher to guide us into your truth. God, thank you for each person that's here in this place, for each family represented watching online. God, help teach them today. Be with them. Illuminate your truth to them. We just thank you so much, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.